0: this is the real magic podcast learn about great design and use it to get great results now your hosts greg merrilies and alan nunez Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Alan and I today for the Real Magic Design Podcast, where we unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing design and work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Greg from Studio One Design, and here's my awesome co-host Alan from Pixel Partners HQ. How
1: are you, buddy? I am fantastic, mate. Listen, you know, I am super excited to be on this episode with this guest today, and you know what? I don't want to mess around with our normal little banter at the beginning because I know she is going to have so much to share with us that it would be wrong of us to deprive our listeners of this. So why don't we just jump straight into this? Let's get her in. Today we have a very special guest, Sue Rice from
0: International, and we're going to be talking about... Email the cockroach of marketing which is something I learned from Sue. <laughs> so Sue is a copywriter. She focuses on sales funnels and email marketing campaigns and gets amazing results for her clients. Sue has been nicknamed the female David Ogilvy, which is a pretty awesome title. Sue is one of the best if not the best email marketers in the world. She's a professional writer, published author and vertable word wizard, and now has worked with dozens of entrepreneurs and Fortune 500 companies around the world. Sue is a Stanford University graduate and is an American living in Paris. So first of all, Sue, welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So for the benefit of the listener, please give a little bit of an overview and a brief story of what it is that you do and your journey of how you got to where you are today.
2: I'll try to do this in 30 seconds. (laughs) Um, I've been in the business longer than I can remember, actually. I started my career at at a traditional advertising agency, actually literally on Madison Avenue working for Ogilvy them either. But having sort of lived and studied abroad, I did my graduate work in Italy, I was kind of restless to go international. So I shifted over to BBDO, uh, where I worked for BBDO worldwide. And after a real short time in New York with them, I was chosen to be part of a four-person team who headed up uh, BBDO Europe headquarters in Paris, which explains why I'm in France and have been here for a long time and I I was an amazing opportunity but I did eventually leave the agency to start my own thing but I never left France. So because it's a great place it's a great place to be a writer and it's a great place to work and live as as you can imagine. So so I set up my own shop my first client was Nike. Wow. And after and I and I did 10 years of pretty i guess what you would call maybe sort of traditional communications branding with the boards and the CEOs of companies like lego and ericsson and l'oréal and but of course as the world the world shifted right so and things became more and more online my business also shifted with that and i was fa- always fascinated by online marketing and and sort of taking that traditional uh, background into a newer realm, and so I've been now working online with a with a sort of a mixed portfolio of clients from you know startups and and solo entrepreneurs all, all the way up. I still work with big companies, as you know, uh, both in Australia, in America, and in uh, in Europe as well. So um, and as as I got sort of more refined at what I did, I realized that to me the most powerful tool out there. Is words in general, but in specifically, I email marketing. I mean, I've done everything, website, all all sales pages, webinars, everything. But to me, the sort of the heart, the heart of uh, really powerful marketing online is email marketing. <sighs> so that's where I, that's why. I, I talk about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, my God. I love your story. It just sounds romantic. I don't know if it's the way you tell it or if it's just exactly where I would have loved to have taken my journey. I mean, Stanford, New York, Paris, you know, these are some of my favorite places so thank you for joining us on the show and filling in our listener uh, as far as uh, your journey now you know you, you talk about email marketing being one of your your favorite things you know but most small business owners would quake in their boots when people talk about email marketing they think Spam. They think uh, trying to understand open rates and you know sending out emails that nobody responds to or re- replies to. What, I mean, why should a business use email to market their business? What's the what's the key that you've discovered?
2: Well, the couple of things. I, I, actually, I have sort of a multi multi level response to that. First of all, just you have to look at the numbers, right? You have to see. You have to you know. Look at what actually works. And if you look at the numbers around email, I'm not going to bore you with a million different statistics, but there's nothing like by a long shot that gets you the same kind of ROI. For every dollar, that it, conservatively, right? For every dollar you spend on email marketing, you're going to get a return of $38. Some people say 44 Some people say double that, right? But let's just be conservative. I mean, You can't invest your money anywhere in real estate and stocks and get that kind of return. It's impossible, right? So, and you look at, you know, uh, there was a study by McKinsey which said that email is 40 times more effective at acquiring new customers. And when it comes to e commerce, which so many people are in, you know, Clavio did a study which said just by putting email in, Properly, you have to do it right, right? You can boost your sales by 30%. And so I did this calculation of all the e-commerce sales in the world, right? And if you you increased those sales by 30%, you're talking about a $706 billion opportunity. That's just like boggles the mind. And people, and but you're right. I, you know i think email sort of like the elephant everyone wants to push under the rug right it's like ugh it means i have to write it means i have to figure out my crm I, oh my gosh it's just like i just i'm just going to do something else right it's sort of like the diet we push off forever
0: <laughs> yeah and there's so many different ways to market a business but the way i see it is that having an email like list is an absolute asset that, you know, I mean, yes, you can collect people and likes and things like that on social media, but, it 's not really your your asset so much as having an email database, and yeah look i I see email as something that 's crucially important, even for my business you know when we 've got an offer, I want to send it to my list, and that 's you know my contacts, and that 's the, the quickest way to reach them but i 've seen a lot of businesses, including myself i 'm not an expert at email, and that 's what we 're getting you on the show. but I see a lot of businesses make mistakes, and then a lot of people that believe that you know email 's dead, but you know the topic of this podcast is that email is the cockroach of marketing and you can't kill it. So what would you say to those naysayers who believe email is dead?
2: Well, I think, I think the, first of all, you know, you just have to look at what the potential is for you financially. But I think the the problem, I think, the, I mean, we can all open up our inbox right now and 99% of the emails receive are bad right they're boring they're over promotional we would never speak you know you have your personal emails that are fun to get and you have the promotional emails which you just don't even they're just not good right and that what i what i find so ironic and paradoxical about marketing nowadays is it's so easy to stand out because everyone is sort of taking the same approach. It's sort of like lemmings to see. And it's that's why they're having problems. And the more crowded the inbox is getting, and it is getting more crowded, the more you hear, the, the sort of the noise gets louder. So you need to do things a little bit different. And the way I do it, as you know, is I'm a big believer in, in sort of what I call the art of the elegant unsell and using stories to engage people to sort of break down the um, their suspicions about what a, a particular company is doing and getting them involved and engaged. And sort of, it's almost like the stories are almost like a Trojan horse, right? So you bring them, you, you know, you get them engaged in the story and then you very subtly invite them to take the next step, whatever that next step might be. It might be to buy a product, but it also might be to watch a video, a webinar, et cetera, et cetera. If I could just say something, emails are not... One of the other things that I think people do is they they look in silos when they look at online marketing. And emails, while I think they're the most powerful tool you have, they don't work in a vacuum, right? So an email shouldn't be carrying the heavy burden of all the selling. An email is there to build trust basically and to build a relationship and then you invite people to the next stage if you will it's like sitting in the living room getting to know someone and then the next stage is to say would you like to go into the dining room and have a meal with me would you like to do that would you like to go on a trip with me would you like to marry me (laughs) right (laughs) but you start with that conversation and that trust building and that's what emails are about a lot of people either don't do anything with their email or they just try to sell with it. But actually, emails have a are like a bridge between the first introduction and then the ultimate invita- invitation to buy, if that makes sense.
1: That makes absolute total sense. You know one of the things I always look at is yeah, you know, when we're designing or when we're doing marketing, if everybody else is yelling, You know, if you whisper, people have to move closer to you to listen to your message, right? And you don't have to sell to them. You can invite them to move away from the crowd and engage with you, and then you can ask them to take the next step. You know, just from what you said there, I've got like 20 things I I (laughs) want to ask you. But, you know, I'm going to try and and keep it simple and and cohesive for for the sake of the listener and, and actually tell the story, right? So, you know, one of the... One of the debates that that we have as designers is the debate of copy versus design. You know which is more important, and I really love that you said that. You know the email or or the the copy in the email shouldn't bear the whole burden of the uh, of 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 the the selling, right? You know when you combine copy and design, can you? accentuate the story like can you you know if you if you have a really well-written email that then goes to somewhere that has a beautifully designed landing page that continues the visual part of the story does that make the journey better for the consumer
2: absolutely i always say design gives your words wings so (laughs) it you know there are a lot of Because I'm on a lot of copywriting forums and a lot of people are like, oh, design doesn't matter. But it does. It absolutely does. Design gives, it's like you can go from good to great uh, with design. And by the way, it's not just design when you take them to a landing page. The actual, I'm going to be careful about how I talk about this, but the actual design of the email the, the problem is people get the balance wrong. Either it's like only designed in the email or the landing page, or it's only copy. But the two, it's a dance. They dance together and they work together. And um, I think that you can't rely only on design, but I think copy is greatly, much more powerful with design the thing is the designer the graphic designer and the copywriter need to understand that dance and unfortunately that's not always the case
1: Mm. yeah i think it doesn't need to be a battle i mean at the end of the day i find that you can't come up with it with great design unless you have a story unless you have you know some sort of cohesive message that you that you're trying to to get across so you know working together to get to make the most out of it i think is absolutely critical
2: you know one of the things that that reminds me of is that my first you know back to my little 30 second bio (laughs) my first 10 years a lot of the work i did particularly for people like lego was i did a lot of uh, i created a lot of films for them this is sort of one of my tricks in my back pocket i don't talk about that often but it was a great experience because and i spent hours and hours and hours in studios editing with my team and it what the thing about it is you it's a lot of it's about feel right it's like a feel when you have a design that works a photograph that works copy that works so you have to and you have to edit out anything that gets in the way of the feeling and the message that you're trying not just the rational message with the emotional message you're trying to share, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. So uh, you know you have and you have to trust that too. I think that's where a lot of people don't trust their. You know, sometimes it feels funny, but they kind of like squash that. Well, I don't really know if I've, that's true, but if you feel like something isn't is off, it is off. <laughs> There, there's a problem. And and I, and I feel like um, people are a little bit too formal. I mean, one of the big, big mistakes people make is they write too formally, right? And they do everything too formally because they feel like we have to, you know, you have to portray yourself as perfect. But no, I think the more casual and the more informal things are, the more you're going to be likely to build trust with that person. Person who's essentially a stranger that you want to, you know, welcome into your client base
0: yeah i get that and look as a you know designer of a lot of landing pages we we can't have a killer landing page design unless we've got killer copy there's just no two ways about it but yeah i i, I know what you're, you're saying about the feeling like it's same in, in the design world like if it doesn't feel right it isn't right you know it needs to sing to the copy it needs to enhance the copy and that's the role of a designer in my opinion but there is one thing i wanted to sort of throw in here in relation to. The the story is not everybody would think that they have a story right or you know they don't necessarily write stories so can you just sort of explain like how somebody can can you know get their thoughts onto paper uh, in the form of a story and can they come from absolutely anywhere not necessarily their own personal life
2: yeah, great. Oh, that's such a great question. So, th- I have this new motto. <laughs> I thought about this a lot because, you know, a lot of people really struggle with writing, <clears throat> just writing words on paper. And a lot of people will say, oh, everyone's a writer. You've always been a writer. But, you know what? I actually don't think that's true. I don't think everyone's a writer. I think it's hard to write. I think mm. for most people, it's excruciating. And, but, you know what? I think. Everyone is a storyteller. If you think about it, you might not be writing it on paper, right? Hmm. But we tell stories all day, every day. We tell stories about our kids. We tell stories about stupid bosses. We <laughs> tell tell stories about something we saw when we were driving. We're constantly. Our lives are all about stories. We might not not be conscious of it. So the the stories are you know are are all around us. If we're just if we just think about it a little bit, the the question then is, how do I take those stories and actually get them on paper? Yeah. And to be honest, I think one of one of the easiest ways to do that is is simply to record yourself talking have someone transcribe it and then either clean it up yourself or get someone to clean it up for you so that it you know and then you just you're sort of telling oral stories but you just get them on paper It's, it's but you know I think the one thing that I think there's stories everywhere. There's stories in your news feeds. There's stories in books you read. There's stories in movies and television shows that you watch. St- there are thousands of stories. Um, I have. I think we're going to be. Sh- are we going to be sharing some of the examples that I sent yeah, you? Yeah,
0: that'd be awesome. Yeah, because I really. Love- I think it
2: would be good to show show them. And I have this story. I actually have. I've it's, I've now like created a story library. Because we've written so many stories for clients over the years. And so stories can come from every. It doesn't have to be about you. A lot of people talk about, oh, your story, your story. Your story is super important. But, you know, there's a limit to, I mean, I can't talk about my story for, you know, every week (laughs) for years on end. (laughs) I can talk about it. You know, and and but the stories you pick, the stories that you like and resonate with you are going to. Going to tell people a lot about you, right? They're going to tell about your values. They're going to tell about what you think is funny or what you think is interesting. But it doesn't have to be about you.
0: Yeah, and what I love about your stories—I'll get you to read the really, really slow one out, if that's okay. We won't use any names of who it was for, etc. But I love the way that in your storytelling, in your emails, you marry the point of the story to the offer.
2: Right. I mean, I have this, this is, I I will give him full credit. I learned this years ago from a guy named Matt Fury, who is a brilliant copywriter, but he, I don't think he does copywriting anymore. I think he's into the martial arts, lovely guy. Uh, And he basically taught me this really simple three-step system, which is you write a story. And and when I'm talking about a story, it could be as little as a sentence, OK, not I'm not talking about writing a thick piece of fiction, a, writing a story, then writing sort of a moral or a lesson from the story and then inviting your reader into a call to action, whether it's to buy the product or whatever.
0: But you have to be careful. There's no disconnect. Like you have a beautiful flow with marrying the two which I find, you know, I think that would be a hard thing to do, but um, obviously that takes years and years of practice.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I have had a little tiny bit of practice.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Hang yeah. On
2: one second. I'm just going to bring it up.
0: Sure. I just think it's important to really illustrate what we're talking about here because this is, you know, you've got a million great examples, but I really like this one. It's not going to take too long to read either.
2: Yeah. So this, let me read it. So, The subject line is really, really slow. Hi. Some things are really, really slow. I love the story of that Olympic marathoner from Japan who ran a marathon in 54 years, eight months, six days, eight hours, 32 minutes, and 20.3 seconds. When he ran the race in 1912, he simply disappeared. According to the story, he stopped to get a drink at an outdoor party and ended up staying longer than he planned. When he realized how long he was gone, he was too embarrassed to finish the race. He went back to his hotel, he boarded the plane, and he simply left Japan. And he didn't return until 1966, a full 54 years later, to complete the run he started. Now, that's what I call slow, really slow. Fortunately, not everything in life has to take 50 years to complete, particularly when it comes to setting up your U.S.-based business i e the product of this person. My middle name is fast. I respond to emails with Lightning Speed. I do all my filings on the same day. When you work with me, you get results and you get them fast. And then he invites people into going to the sales page. So basically, the story about this marathoner that took uh, fifty four years to run this <laughs> That's a marathon, great story, <laughs> which is, so it's about speed, right? But we could connect and then the connection was, Fortunately, not every – this is sort of the moral of the story, Mm. if you will, is fortunately not everything in life has to take 54 years to complete, Uh, particularly when it comes to X. It could be anything. It could be – we could have put in – particularly when it comes to losing weight, particularly when it comes to Mm. setting up your website, particularly when it comes to finding the love of your life. It doesn't – you see – the the moral of the story allows you to connect pretty much any story that has um kind of a a value that people are looking for across the board with any product if that makes sense this story could be used in almost any industry because it's just saying i we do we can do things quickly right we can do things quickly unlike this marathoner who took 54 years <laughs> to do his marathon but it's a nice story. It's a funny story. And people start getting this from you in your email. They're going to be like, oh, I kind of want to open up the, his emails because they're good. Mm. They're interesting. That's fun. I didn't know that story.
1: Yeah. And look, you you just want to find out, you know, how is that How is that possible? You know, you, you sort of hook the person right right at the beginning. And I think that's, you know, one of the, the things that you do really, really well with this story you're telling. Now, you know, i, I the the next thing I was gonna ask you was, you know, what's the the key to writing a successful email? But I, I think that's a much Maybe a much longer story, and we've already sort of talked about that—the uh, storytelling and that great example you just gave us. Um, what I might ask you is, you know, what, what would be the most common—I don't know—two, three, five mistakes that people make when they're learning how to write a successful email?
2: Okay, so one of them I've already mentioned, which is this idea that we're—that you're too formal, right? Mm-hmm. That people—you should write like you talk forget just like say you're sorry to your english teacher in university or or high school or whatever <laughs> and say i'm sorry but i am not going to be grammatically correct write one word sentences one word paragraphs Write that's how we talk i don't talk in a, i mean in a 100% grammatically correct way no one does we have shorthands we use you know I mean I stop short I don't swear in my emails and that kind but some people do because that's their that's their personality right but I would be I would just be much much more relaxed like you're talking which is why I think sometimes you should always be reading your emails out loud after you've written them and if and you can even write them by doing what I said earlier which is saying them and then transcribing them and, and polishing them up. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, the which is more of a mechanical question, is that, actually there are two parts to this. One is that people often write emails to, they know they have a list, right? They know they have like 5,000 people or 10,000 or 100,000. So they write to a crowd. But remember, there isn't a crowd at the other end. There's one person reading yeah. it. So make sure you write to... Like you would write to one person, not like, hey, everyone, because it's not everyone, it's one. And equally, the kind of related to that is people tend to send the exact same email out to their entire list, which is a mistake, because people have... You know if you're if you're tracking your list correctly, people have shown you that there's certain things they're interested in and certain things that they're not, whether depending on what they've opened, what they've clicked on, et cetera. And you should be tracking that so that you if you will, you don't have one list. you have many sub segments so that you're not to overcomplicate it, but that, so that but just so that your messages are meaningful uh, to the people that you're sending them to. The, the other big, big mistake people make is they just don't send emails.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too scared.
2: <laughs> don't unsubscribe. They're just <laughs> That's right. They're afraid of unsubscribes. But, uh, you know, it's sort of the way I like to look at it. To me, emails are like a – it's all about like a relationship. You're building trust, right? Mm. Now, when the other thing people do is they, they set up an autoresponder sequence, which, you know, is 5, 10, maybe maximum 15 emails. and that's, And they're like, okay, I've done my email marketing. I'm done. So imagine you met someone at a party that you really liked, you really hit off with that person, and you guys called each other, you know, five, seven times. And then it's radio silence. You don't hear from them again. Yeah. Uh, And you try to pick up, but then you send them, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to sell something in eight months. They're like, who are you? So it's a relation, you know, people that's the mistake people make. They think, oh, my autoresponder sequence is up and then I'm I'm done with my email marketing. Yeah, it has it's you're constantly nurturing that relationship, just like any relationship. If you if you go missing an action, people are gonna forget who you are and they and also there might even be some ill will built up, right? And people say, Oh, people are gonna unsubscribe. When was the last time you would unsub if you want to hear from someone, you don't not answer answer the phone, you only don't answer the phone or answer a message when you don't like the person. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't like the person if they're sending you stupid messages, right? so the the whole key is to have be sending out quality messages, and then you sort of enter a virtuous circle if that if all of that makes sense.
0: hundred percent, yeah. So then what is your process for writing the emails? Like do you write a whole sequence in one hit, do you do you sort of i don't know maybe framework out an email and then refine it over time and reiterate and reiterate until it's perfect? or yeah, what's your process?
2: Probably the latter. I mean, I have, I've literally written thousands of emails. So I have, I know what needs to be in different sequences, but I, you know, and obviously not every single email can be story based, but my challenge, but I try to create as many emails as I can because I think they're the strongest, right? So they're going to be transactional emails. You're going to be sending out emails that are, oh, congratulations, You, you know, you bought such and such and, you know, this is what's going to happen next. By the way, that reminds me of one other mistake that people make. A lot of people just assume the finish line is the sale. (laughs) Right? So the person buys and then you just like never talk to them again. But that's when you should really be starting to really send lots more. Right. And say, hey, how did you like it? You know, you know, t- tell me if you have any issues. That's when you should be really nurturing the relationship. The, the finish line. There is no finish line. That's the whole thing there is. It's not a linear process. Everyone talks about sales funnels it's a sales circle oh. it's not a it's not it's not a straight linear line where you have a finish and then it's everyone drops off the cliff it's a circle and then you and you nurture people and then you cross sell to them and then you ask them to be you know go from you know being a a happy customer to being you know a raving fan kind of thing and you can only do that if Communicate. Does
0: this work for e um sorry e commerce businesses as well as services businesses or more leaning towards it you
2: know, works best for e commerce really wow I mean okay. a lot of I mean that's the other thing there's this big division between e commerce and other businesses I think that both sides have a lot to learn from each other so on the e commerce side I think a lot of sort of non e commerce businesses have a lot to learn from e commerce email sequences and things like you know e commerce businesses often use uh, sequences that pick people up after they've abandoned a cart. Non-e-commerce businesses should be doing a lot more of that, right? Yeah. But the e-commerce businesses are very design oriented as you know. It's you know, the, the you know the kind of the expectation is that it's going to be very visual. And I think that non-e-commerce businesses could bring some of that into the their their emails and I think some of the storytelling that I'm talking about could be very easily integrated in e-commerce and, and get people, I mean I've worked with lots of e-commerce businesses and it's really helped bump up their sales because they're di- it's different, right? Because normally you get an e-commerce email and it's very much, you know, this is our promotion you're going to get such and such percentage off and you're going to see visuals but there's not that story building, relationship building emphasis as much. These are gross generalizations, but that's sort of what I've seen.
1: You know, I'm totally with you there. It doesn't end at the sale, you know. I mean, we do tons and tons of work in in products, product packaging, instruction manuals, and, you know, the sale is the first step in a greater relationship, and I don't care whether you're a product business or a or a service business. You know, continuing that relationship. I mean, you're talking in the context of email marketing. I'm talking in the context of supporting elements and 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 having a dialogue and providing great value after the sale and and I think it's all, you know, really really important. Hey Sue, I just uh, I'm I'm curious to know what you think about, you know, using email templates. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out in the, you know, great internet where you can sort of download templates and and work from there i mean is is that a good starting point if you petrified of writing
2: i have kind of mixed feelings about that yeah i think it can be a good starting point but i don't i don't think it's enough right so you can use it i also i think templates can be good in terms of understanding what emails you need where right in terms of a sequence but for the, the problem with them is you become you know it goes back to the 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 point i made about you become yet another person in the inbox that sounds just like the next guy right the point is to step away from the crowd and to have a slightly different voice so that people open your emails i've read i read a stat somewhere I don't totally quote me on this, but something like, you know, people choose like 10 emails that they actually sort of religiously open uh, and you probably, people are probably getting, you know, a hundred emails, right? So you need, to, you need to be separate from the DIN uh, and the templates. I'm not sure they will go far enough to doing that. But yeah, for a lot of people, I think they're probably a good start, but I think that they're limited.
1: Look, you know, I think it's a little bit like when Greg and I talk about design, you know, sometimes you've got to take one step in that direction. And it might be a a nicely designed template website or it might be, um, you know, a template brochure or what have you. But, you know, it's critical to, to either learn how to do it yourself or pay a professional. You know, in that I'm just going to shoot off on a little tangent here because I think this might help somebody who's thinking about paying a professional, or maybe even trying to wrap their head around how to get started. But you know, do you have a like a process for how you take a design, uh, not a design brief, sorry, that's our job, <laughs> a, a, a copywriting brief um, from a from a client? You know, the, what, what information are you trying to trying to get when? you're starting this, this composition?
2: Yeah, that's a super great question. I mean, yeah, I have a process that I use for the bulk of my time as a, you know, solely email copywriter. I have, I have done only done, done for you. So I do the whole thing for people. However, I am actually starting a, because a lot of people, the price tag is a little bit difficult because for them so I'm actually starting another uh, set, a series of workshops where I'm gonna do done with you with people so I'm going to show people how to do it and people will walk away with uh, you know a completed autoresponder sequence uh, as well as the tools to be able to do it you know to uh, I'm gonna teach them how to fish I guess is the analogy right mm-hmm. rather than what I've been doing which is giving them the Fish, but but the process is always the same because, like I said, since emails connected with everything else, I need to know things like you know who they think their audience is, what their audience pain point is, what their audience what the audience is trying to achieve. You know, it's all about your audience. It's not about. It's really less about you and much more about what your audience is trying to achieve. So there's a series of questions that people would. Have to answer so that I could write the emails. And also, I also like to get a little bit of an idea of the person's values. And so that I ma- when I u- use stories, I use stories that will sort of, if you will, match their personality. Because I need to be sure that I'm writing in their voice, not Sue Rice's voice. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's gold. And we do the same sort of process, you know, for a designer as well. We have you know a million questions for them to answer. But I just heard I just heard your cat in the background, which is even more exciting.
2: <laughs> Versace. My Versace, Versace, cool name.
0: <laughs> well, Sue, so- he,
2: he, yeah, he doesn't believe that cats aren't supposed to talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. He believes in
2: it. the power of words, cat words.
0: <laughs> ah, that's cool. Ah, that's cool. I copywriter's cat. Um, awesome. So, well, look, this knowledge that you've shared has been incredible. So, we're, look, we're going over time a little. So, we're going to have to wrap it up. But I just wanted to know if you had one more killer bit of advice for a small business owner that's, you know, trying to write successful emails and, and stories within their emails.
2: So, I someone the other day who's not a writer at all sent me her emails to review, mm-hmm. right? And they were brilliant, She's not a writer. They were brilliant. And I realized when I read them is it's because she wrote in her voice. Nice. They were authentic. They reflected her personality, who you are. It doesn't have to be perfect writing. But, you know, I nice people, good people write good emails. That's my feeling. You don't have to be a wizard with words to be able to 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 do that. And I just remember that when you write, as long as you write in your authentic voice with your authentic feelings and think about the person you're writing to more than you if you can, it you know, it's just a winner combination.
1: Nice. I really love that. You know, be authentic. Talk in your in your own voice. So this has been priceless. It's just such gold, listener. If you want to find out more about sue and what she does uh, go and visit slice.international and as lou as lou as Sue. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the flu that i've got as sue said she's going to be launching a done with you which i think would be an absolutely phenomenal experience you know so check it out Sue. it's been fantastic having you on the episode i'm really grateful for all this wonderful information that you've shared
2: Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure.
0: Yeah, thanks, Sue. And so what, if people want to ask you a question or, or reach out to you, how, how should they do that?
2: Um, if you want to, anyone who's listening to this podcast, I actually I'll just give you my email and you can maybe put in the subject line that, you know, Greg and Alan or something so I know <laughs> that you <laughs> – something about the podcast. Cool. So it's just sue, S-U-E, at international. And don't add the don't add the .dot com. If you add the <laughs> yeah. com, it's funny. It will never come to me. People do it all the time. Seriously? <laughs> uh, yeah, me. I'm trying. To, I was trying to branch out. Actually, it was an Australian who told me to do that. Nah. <laughs> no way.
0: <laughs> but yeah.
2: So yeah, I would love to hear. I love. I love talking to people, and I'm you know I'm happy to to see if I can help you in any way.
0: That is so awesome, Sue. Not many people would do that, so we really appreciate it. So thank you. And, yeah, listener, go check out slice.international, no.com.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no.com.
0: <right>. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Sue.
2: Thanks. Bye. Thanks
0: for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.